Not over. So just a little bit of a a touch of uh, the connection there and the love and gratitude that they feel uh, towards the ministry here. They are uh, very, very fired up. Uh, In all of uh, Eurasia, there is one deaf ministry, and that's in Almaty. And all of the churches that have partnered stateside to, uh, to work with them, we happen to be paired up with Almaty, and we have a deaf ministry here. And, you know, they always send chocolate back. I don't have chocolate for everybody, but they did send chocolate back from the deaf ministry there to our deaf ministry. So, Jermaine, why don't you come and receive this for our deaf ministry? If you want to uh, have some chocolate, maybe you could join the deaf ministry and then maybe you can get some chocolate. So the point we're making today is that it's not over until the world is evangelized, until the message of the gospel and the preaching of repentance for the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to all nations. It's not over yet. There's still gospel preaching around the world to be done. And we have our conviction within our own part of the world, our own neighborhoods, that we want to fulfill that in. But we also have our mission point that we want to make that connection with. And so what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to talk to you about reasons to give to missions. If you already are dialed in and ready to go, you've got your missions offering set aside, then this will just be encouraging you in something that you already have set up. If you haven't even been thinking, oh man, is it already missions offering time? And Then this will help get you ready. If you've never really given to missions, this will be an opportunity to, for you to take a, a step out into the unknown and do something you've never done before. Or maybe if over the past few years, because you've been at this a long time, maybe over the fa- past few years, your, your offering has waned a bit. That this is a time for you to recommit and to, to, to recalibrate how you're viewing your own blessings in light of the work and the unfinished work that God has called us to. So reasons uh, to give to missions. First of all, to save lost souls. This is uh, one of the group shots, and I, I dialed it in, and the, uh, the gentleman on the, the top uh, left, second from the end, next to the guy waving on the top row, uh, two things about him. One is he is deaf, and two, he is not a disciple. He is coming out to church, and he's studying the Bible. He's studying the Bible with the deaf ministry there, and he's being uh, loved up on and encouraged and befriended, and, and they're doing Bible studies with him. Now, it is a reality that everybody in that picture, everybody, disciples that have been disciples for many years, and even the guy that's just visiting out and just started studying up there in the top corner, None of them would have had the opportunity to hear the gospel without the mission team from Los Angeles being sent out so many years ago, first to Moscow, and then churches planted all around from that. And those of us that are involved in our missions offering every year, that is the reality of putting the gospel out there where it can do what the gospel does and souls being saved. So that's true for everybody, but currently... 
our mission offering enable the, the work of the church, the work of the Lord, and the preaching of the gospel through the work of our missionaries there, it gives guys like that gentleman right there an opportunity to hear the gospel and respond and come to know the loving community that is the church. So why do we set aside? Why do we sacrifice? Why do we do without maybe something that we might like? Why do we make our missions offering happen? It's so that people like that can have an opportunity who are lost to be saved. Next reason to give your mission offering is to support our mission families. And I'm talking about uh, our, our full-time staff mission families, and I'm talking about the families that are just in our churches. And that the mindset that we need to have, that we partner with them by helping the churches out there financially. There's uh, two families mentioned here, and, and you'll notice that you may remember as, as Sasha went down the line and introduced everybody, he highlighted their children and the age of their children and where their children, how many children they have, because our partnership with them is about our families teaming up with their families. And one of the most exciting things for us to think about, it is for me, is the fact that they're, this next generation as the opportunity to grow up in Christian homes. Their parents never had that. Their parents grew up in atheistic homes. Their parents grew up with no Bible reading, with no faith being taught whatsoever. And now this generation is growing up with the root system being put down deep in their lives and in their hearts, knowing about God all their life reading the Bible, having opportunities in the church all their life. But I just want you to think about this. Uh, the, the couple on your left, that's Pasha and his family. Pasha is the interpreter. Let me say that again. The interpreter for the deaf ministry. He did that years ago when I visited Almaty, and he's still doing it faithfully today. Now, they have a deaf ministry. We have a deaf ministry. They have an interpreter. We have interpreters. And one of, one of the unsung hero groups in our church is our interpreters. Amen? And they, they work tirelessly. They're at midweeks interpreting. They're at Sundays interpreting. If there are counseling appointments that need to be had, they're there interpreting. They're unseen and and in the background. And one of the blessings that we have is that even in the course of the sermon, you'll notice the interpreters change off. And there's a break there, and there's a teamwork that goes on. And there's a teamwork at midweeks, and there's a teamwork in the ministry. During my visit to Almaty this time, I had one main translator, and that's Sasha. I taught five lessons in classes. Sasha taught, uh, translated every one of those. I met with all of the five churches, the leaders, and the, the, the group leaders that were there visiting with one appointment after another, all five of them, and not a word, basically not a single word could be communicated from me. A lot of smiles and hugs, but not a word without my translator, Sasha being there to help me communicate with them. And by the end of it all, you know, I was tired, but I know Sasha was really tired because he did double everything 
between me and understanding what I was saying and then passing on. Okay, now to Pasha and his family there. Imagine that you are the only interpreter Sunday after Sunday, midweek after midweek, year after year after year. In the only deaf ministry, in the only in all of the Soviet Union and you are that guy. You are that interpreter. That's what he does. And he does it faithfully and he does it with a smile and he's got a family around him. One of our needs is to make sure that we have the resources so that the people that are in these small churches have the opportunity to travel to larger churches to be encouraged. And they don't necessarily have the financial resources to do that on their own. And so one of, one of the important aspects of our missions offering is sustaining the non-full-time staff by allowing them opportunities to travel either to Moscow or Novosibirsk or some of the, the bigger churches or to other conferences. Uh, another couple, not, not pictured here, one of the brothers, uh, a week before, uh, he had his plane ticket, and a week before, they canceled his flight. No refund, they just canceled his flight. And this is a once-a-year event, and so we wanted to fly him there, to fly him from... Ashgabat, Turkmenistan, he had to fly to Moscow and then St. Petersburg and then Almaty. It cost $1,100. And we paid that out of our missions offering so we could get him there because he didn't have that money out of pocket. The point is, is that one of the reasons to give our financial support is so a guy like Pasha can periodically go to a bigger church and be encouraged. Next to them is the leader of the church in Almaty, Vlad, and his family. The, the, the young man in the, the blue sweatshirt is, uh, is his son, Arthur, or Artur. And I, watching him grow up, I was, just, I was just dumbfounded when he walked up to me, and he's looking at me eye to eye, and he's this big, scrapping young man. He's 14. He's got one other youth his age. In Almaty. Now, we like our every other week Friday night devotionals, and we praise God for it. And we praise God for the resources that we have here. That twice a month, our youth and our teens can gather. Even right now, they're at a class, and there's, what, 30, 40 other kids in that class. Their peer group looking around, encouraging them, hearing the message, responding to the message, and, and you know, uh, teen workers and volunteers around them. And then... Uh, uh, Every once in a while, like we had 1,200 kids at the reality just, just down over the hill about, what, 45 an hour drive away at USC a couple weeks ago. 1,200 kids. And then to drive up to camp, it's like two hours away, three hours away up to camp, and it's a week with 400 kids around. Imagine if you have one other teenager your kid's age to encourage them. And if you want more encouragement, you would have to, the closest would be Novosibirsk, and you, that, that's like Denver. But it's like us going to Denver for a, a youth devotional to encourage your son or your daughter at that important age of life. When I say we set aside our missions offerings so we can support our mission families, it's a, it's a couple like Vlad and Olya who are there. They could be in Moscow. They're there. They could think, what about our kids? We need to prioritize our kids. They're there. 
because they really believe it's God's calling. And one of the highlights, I, I didn't get it on video, but one of the highlights for me was looking over at one of the times of worship, and there on the front row was Vlad, and there was Arthur right next to him. And Arthur was just beaming, singing the worship thong, songs, and I thought, you know what? God is working in that young man's life in spite of not having some of the, the benefits that we might have. We need to support families like that and let them know that their sacrifice, we, we may not have to make the same kind of sacrifice, but we can certainly make some financial sacrifice so that they can receive the support they need to do the ministry where they're at. A third reason to give our missions offering, and this really stood out to me in, in this, this trip, is that we, we do it to stand our ground. Ephesians 6 tells us that. Stand your ground, and after you've done everything... Stand your ground. Take your stand against the devil and his schemes. We're battling against spiritual forces of evil. The churches that we partner with, when you just look at them on the map, bordered by Iran, bordered by Afghanistan, bordered by Pakistan, bordered by some of the most intense movement of Islam, anywhere, and they are right there on the border. They are the borderline churches. And one of the things that they shared in the the different conversations that we had is how Islam is really on the move like never before. Militant Islam and missionary Islam is really on the move. So the next picture, these are, are two couples that were at the conference and they're from Kyrgyzstan. The couple on the left is uh, Nurlan and his wife, and they lead the church. They're self-supporting there. We don't have a full-time ministry couple in Kyrgyzstan right now. They, they lead the church, but one of the things that, that they did was they looked around and he said, uh, I'm thinking back over 15 years. He's describing this to me. And 15 years ago, the mosques were empty. We had all these mosques around, but it was just not fashionable. People didn't go to the mosque. They just sat there empty. Now, every mosque is full on every Muslim day of worship. They're full now. They're packed. He said it's, it's mostly surface. It's mostly fashionable. But, but there is a missionary effort uh, on Islam to cover this, this you know, bordering part of, of their part of the world. Well, one of the things that they did was Nurlan and Alicia, they, they, wanted to, they wanted to fight back. And so they went to Almaty and they recruited the couple that's on, uh, on your right there. And one of the things they had to do, to do, he gave him a job working for him. And then Nurlan and his wife moved in with his parents and gave a home to the couple on the right so that they could have another supporting couple in their city with them. Now, just a few years ago, I showed you the pictures of fire in the streets, military vehicles burning, because they had 500,000 refugees fleeing to the border of the country. That's all calmed down. Through it all, they stayed there faithful. They are taking a stand. They're basically saying, you know, as they see the movement of Islam around them, they're saying, hey, we're standing our ground. We're going to do everything we can to increase the chances of the gospel being proclaimed, including recruiting and sacrificing to getting another couple there. So we want to give our missions offering to stand our ground. Another example of this is in Tajikistan. And we have uh, this couple 
in the church in Tajikistan, and there are, get this, there are six disciples in the church. And in all of the country of Tajikistan, in Dushanbe, Tajikistan. That's it. And a, and a while ago, they thought they were discouraged, and they thought maybe it was time for them to leave. They go to Moscow, they could find better work, they would certainly get a lot more encouragement, and they, they did some praying and some soul searching, and they decided that, you know, it's still, it's still the will of God and still the call of God for them to stay there. But they said their number one challenge right now in their life is fear. And they were just honest about it. They're, they're afraid. One of the things that they have going on in their communities is the, the Islamists in Syria are recruiting poor people in Tajikistan and in Dushanbe to come and fight for them in Syria with militant Islam. And they're seeing this, and the, the, you know they entice them through the financial opportunity and the opportunity to get out of Tajikistan and, and maybe have a, a something better, a better life for themselves. But, of course, it will mean the potential of being killed and in battle and, and, and fighting for Islam, and, and people, are, are they say, are, are buying into this. This is the reality of the world around them. And by our being willing to say, hey, we don't know what it's like to be you in your city compared to what it's like to be us in our city, but one thing we're willing to do, we're willing to take up a missions offering on May 17th and help you out. And help you. We'll take our stand by helping you take your stands. And then the next picture is in front of a war memorial. It's a famous war memorial depicting a battle that occurred in 1941 when the Nazi armies were right outside of Moscow. And there were Russian soldiers from Kazakhstan and from the city of Almaty that were out there and they were they were at the last line of defense, and the picture is of the soldier holding out his arms, and it's like they're, they're defending Moscow from the onset of the Nazi armies. And the caption below it says something to the effect of, we've got to stand our ground because Moscow is behind us. This is the picture, and it's a famous war memorial, and, and I, I took the picture in front of there with the representatives of our team of churches. There is Sasha and, and the brother Kolya from Moscow. There's two of the church leaders in the middle from Kazakhstan and Turkmenistan. And then there's me representing us here in L.A. We are, if you will, spiritually that who are taking our stand. Will you step up with us on Missions Offering Sunday? Will you do your part to basically say we're willing to stand our ground in one of the most difficult places in the world? And a world that the, the Islamists in Iran and Afghanistan, they have their eye on that. They've eyed it. And they're sending their missions, uh, missionaries in there. Do we get that? One of the things that's happened in the society is that the government's basically want all of them in all of Central Asia, all the governments, they want to keep a status quo. They do not want to become Islamic states. So they're passing legislation, but the legislation cuts both ways because to outlaw the preaching of Islam, they also, in fairness, to keep the status quo, have to outlaw the preaching of the Christian faith. 
And so our brothers and sisters are up against some challenge. Sometimes they lose their license to be a church just on a whim. They just get announced. Sometimes they're, they're not allowed to meet collectively. Sometimes they have special restrictions about who they can share their faith with and who they can't share their faith with. And so on the one hand, it's, it's kind of nice that the governments are pushing back against Islam and its advance. On the other hand, it also has a, a, a challenging effect on our brothers and sisters on the ground there. Another reason to give our missions offering is to fulfill the trust given to us. I just put a, a, a little yellow dot there on kind of our part of Russia and Central Asia. Now, we have a partnership with our brothers and sisters, our fellow churches, our sister churches around the globe. And everybody's got their, their mission point. Everybody's got their stuff that they're doing. We're not the only ones that give a missions offering. We were at a wedding last night, and our brothers and sisters in the the central Lifeway region, region, they're giving their missions offering today. And people, this is what we do every spring. We give our missions offering. All our churches do. But but that, that yellow circle, that's our part. Other people, they would put their yellow circles in other places, but that one's our part. And ours just happens to be including those five countries with five churches in that intense part of the world. And one of the ways that we show God, we get it. We're stewards. We've been given our part of the responsibility. And on our watch, in our time, we're going to get the job done as far as we can. And as far as it depends on our sacrificing and our giving our missions offering in three weeks from now, we're going to do that. It's our, why do we do it? It's, it's so that we can fulfill the trust given to us, just like our brothers and sisters are doing for their part of the mission efforts. Let's make it a little more personal for us. We give our missions offering to know that we're blessed. Let me just unpack that a little bit. Jesus said, this is Paul actually remembering the words of Jesus when he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, how could that be? Because when you're receiving, you're being blessed. And really, isn't it better to receive? And isn't that what we pray for? And isn't that what we want? Because we want to be blessed, and so we're asking God to bless us so that we can receive from him. How could it be that there's more blessing in giving than receiving? Well, you have your own quiet time on that, and you meditate on why that might be. But, but here's one reality. When we give, we are giving from our strength. When we give, we're saying We have enough. When we give, we're saying, we've been blessed. When we give, we're saying, thank you, God, for all you've done in my life. Thank you for all the benefits that I have. But but it's possible to be blessed and not know it. It's possible to have an abundance and be ungrateful. It's possible to have so much, and yet you're looking at somebody that has a little more, and you're thinking, I don't have enough. And when you're in that state, then what you tend to do is you tend to withhold. You tend to be tight-fisted. 
you tend to, to draw back. I love the way Solomon puts it in Ecclesiastes. Better is one hand full than two hands clenched with strife. The idea is I got, yeah, I've got one hand full, but I've got one hand open and I'm offering it. Because this hand is so full and it's so blessed that I'm willing to offer it. The the, the blessing in giving is to dial in to the fact that you know you get it and you're actually experiencing it. The ungrateful person, it's so sad. What a tragedy. The stingy person, what a crying shame. Because although they're blessed, they're not experiencing their blessing. They're living as though they're in want. They're living as though they're in lack. They're living as though missions offering. I can't give a missions offering. I gotta buy my new car. I gotta I gotta renovate my kitchen. I've gotta buy a bigger place. I've gotta buy new clothes. I've gotta do this or that or this or that. I'm not really blessed, and so I've gotta hold on. The one who gives is blessed because. They get the fact that they're giving from their overflow. Isn't that really how you want to live? Don't you want to be that person, the grateful person, the generous person, not the stingy person, not the cynical person, not the, the I don't have enough and why isn't God? You don't want to be that person. Nobody wants to be that person. And you know what moves you from one to the other? It's just a decision. It's just a decision to open that other hand and be generous and be willing to share. That's where the blessing is. Let me conclude with this last picture. Now, I know it's fashionable to take Instagram shots of your your meals wherever you are, and I'm not that person. I don't don't do that, but, but I had to do this one because... We were there in this coffee shop, and it's, it's called Traveler's Coffee, and it's actually a Novosibirsk company. Started in Novosibirsk, Russia, in Siberia, and they've, they've got these, this coffee chain all around. It's like, we've got to have coffee at, uh, at Traveler's Coffee. And we're there, and we're talking with the couple that leads the church in Almaty, and we're, we're talking about the evangelizing of that part of the world. We're talking about the growing of the church in Almaty. And I ordered this, I ordered this cappuccino, and they bring it, and they, they set it down in front of me, and I'm about ready to drink it, and says, Sasha says, wait, wait, look at that. And it's, if you can see it, it's a picture of this person fishing. You see the little sunshine up there, and there's a little guy, and he's got his sail and his little boat, and his fishing pole is out, and there's the fish swimming there, you know. And, and it was just great for me because it's like, wake up and smell the coffee. And it's like a message that uh, if, we, if, we ever, if we're ever distracted, you know, maybe we just need to look down that God is actually even sending us messages and and, and he's even sending a sign so we don't lose the fact that, that we're about fishing for men. Amen? Amen? And so let's make that happen May 17th with our missions offering. And let's make it ha- happen every day in our community as we share our faith. Let's stand and let's sing our final song.